going on? Straight Talk Faithful, your host, your boy, George Mackay, back in studio, pre-recorded. And as you can see, sitting left of me on the screen, I got a superstar. I have a legend. I have a 23-year vet, a hardcore god, as I called her before we went on air. Please welcome one of my personal favorite women in wrestling. Actually, I'm not going to say women. Scratch that. I'm going to say favorite wrestling superstars in the business at all, hands down, for the longest time. Please welcome Lufisto. Did I make you blush a little bit? You look like you might have blushed. <laughs> a little bit. Goddess. That's, that's, that's a big word. <laughs> well, I mean, you are, man. You are, you like, a lot of people associate hardcore with Tommy Dreamer, Sandman, anything that happened in ECW, those are the godfathers. New Jack, especially the resurgence with Dark Side of the Ring, for sure. But when I think of hardcore, I think of one of the first women pioneers of hardcore. And I don't think of any of the ladies in ECW, as much as like Beulah and all those girls were impressive, they had their moments. I think of you because I'm Canadian, you're Canadian, so it just flows, it fits. And I gotta rep, I gotta rep the OGs in our business, and you are definitely one of the OGs. So welcome to Straight Talk Wrestling. Thank you so much for the time today. Thank, thank you so much. I mean, hardcore has been in my life since uh, I think 1999 was the first time it happened. Uh, out of nowhere, just in a match, we ended up outside and chairs went flying and it was the beginning of everything. <laughs> Isn't that kind of how it goes in wrestling? First chairs start flying, then out of nowhere, a kendo stick appears, maybe a chain. Yes. All these things just seem there, to be under the ring. <laughs> then there's a riot and you're like, this is so cool. I want more. And in 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 my case, um, back then, like women and hardcore, they, that's two words that didn't go together. Even women and wrestling, and women and intergender. That's all things that like people didn't want to hear about. I was laughed at. People didn't care. Uh, um, long story short, uh, I started to do it because I was told I could not. So I just wanted to prove to everybody. That it's not because I'm small, it's not because I'm a woman, that I can't do it. So every match, every hardcore match, I would add a little something, a bigger weapon, a bigger bump, a bigger, you know. I felt like it, it was necessary because it's like, you can't tell me I can't do this because I'm a woman. So it's it's been like a mission and it's been like my calling, I would say, since I started well, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, 23-year vet, congratulations on that. 23 years in the business, happy, healthy, all that great stuff. You look fantastic. You look like you're in great shape. And with everything going on in COVID, I know you're probably itching to get back into any rink. First show that opens up and calls you, you're going to be like, yes, yes, let's do it. I, I'm, I'm like, I miss it. Uh, but I'm also like so busy because uh, not only am I a wrestler, but a lot of people know uh, I have two degrees in multimedia and graphic design. So I'm, I'm doing a lot of designs. I've been actually designing a lot of gears lately. So the, the, what the good thing is that wrestlers, while they're not wrestling, they're at least some of them, a lot of them like are working on their characters. And I'm hoping that I can help them by designing their gear. Uh, we work a little bit on character and I try to um, help them portray like the look that they want. So I've been doing a lot of that. So I've been busy with that. And not only that, I, uh, I do work as a, I'm like a co-manager. I, I don't even know my what my title would be, but I work at a place where we are selling and producing sanitary products. So you can you can understand that during COVID, like we are busy, and I'm so sick of hearing the word Purell. You have no idea. Like I can't hear it anymore. It's like, do you have some Purell? 
all day, every day. <laughs> well, I, I work for a food shipping company and uh, I'm an essential, I'm a dispatcher. So I make sure all my guys are out picking up the food. And one word, much like Purell, that I don't want to ever hear again for as long as I live is Lysol. Or L Lysol wipes. Yeah. Oh, wow, it was toilet paper. <laughs> that I never understood. There was like a rush for toilet paper, yet nobody was going after anything that could, you know, kill any bacteria. But <laughs> hey, let's make sure we have a lot of stuff so we can clean our butts. That's huge. That's the most important thing. I know. And the strangest thing, especially here in Canada, I was like, what the hell is going on? Canada produces toilet paper. There's not like, it's not missing. It's not like, Everything is fine. Like, there's plenty. <laughs> it's like we're producing it. Calm down, people. Uh, thank God. Things, especially in my town, um, I just went actually grocery shopping. And people are, are getting closer, and they're more, like, lenient on what they accept. And uh, there's a few people wearing the mask out of respect. But at least it's not as... Um, I want to say crazy, or, or um, I felt people were a little bit paranoid. Now I feel like people are more mellow. And it's finally so good to feel that you're like, because before, like, you were doing grocery, and then you would look at the other person, like, oh, this person's getting close, this person's getting close. And I noticed, like, people are, like, a lot more chill, which really is, is great. <laughs> I think it's the nice weather. I think people know like they can go outside now, but they can still stay distant. There's nothing wrong with having a beer with your neighbor if you're hey, six feet on opposite sides of your fence, right? <laughs> nothing wrong with any of that. <laughs> so one of the things I do want to ask is um, I want to touch on, before we get into the hot button topic that you and I discussed before the show, I do want to ask, I want to discuss with you about one of my favorite matches with you. And mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's a triple threat match for the uh, Shine title. It's from 2017. It's you versus Allison K versus Mercedes Martinez. Allison K, as we know, former NWA Women's Champion. She's rocking NWA. I've had the pleasure of sitting down with her. I've had the pleasure of sitting down with the woman who took the title from her, Thunder Rosa. And uh, also, Mercedes Martinez, I have not yet sat down with her because she's a WWE product and I'm a little podcast. I can't, unless I sell my soul to Vince McMahon, I can't get anywhere near her with a 10-foot pole. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to sell my soul. So, but that, as I always do when I'm preparing for any interview, I do my research, I check out, go back and watch some of my favorite matches. And as much as I love your hardcore stuff, this match had a little touches of it here and there, but I love the story the three of you ladies told. And I loved, what I loved about it the most was that you were kind of pictured in the match as a little bit of an underdog. Now, being a vet as you are, you're not an underdog in any standpoint. You're probably one of the biggest dogs in the fight with all the experience that you have. But in this match... Mm -hmm. You were considered the underdog. Yet these two ladies threw everything at you but the kitchen sink in terms of technical wrestling, and yet you still prevailed. Talk me through that match. Talk me through that moment, especially the, the jubilation you had at the end when you raised that title. The look on your face like, yeah, yeah, let's, you know what, I could go another 30 minutes, ring the bell again, let's do it again. I mean, I was exhausted watching you. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I had to, I had to stop. I had to drink some water. I had, to, I had to wipe the sweat from my eyes. But talk me through that match, because that's one of my all-time favorites with you. Uh, the big thing about that match is that uh, I've been a babyface for so long. And it, it was kind of, I was kind of blasé. Uh, not a lot of people would give me the mic. And I, like, I knew I could cut promos, but nobody would actually give me the time to do it. And I was, like, really kind of sick and tired of just being, like, I've been an anime for so long. 
and I just slowly move into a new character because I, as I'm getting older, of course, I didn't feel the anime fit with me. I'm like, I'm past, uh, that's, that's 97. So I was 37, I'm 40 today. Um, but I was like, um, when I switched the anime in, was it 2013? I felt like, my God, I need to, like, I'm, I'm in better words, I don't know if I can say it on your podcast, you can beat me. I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, no, you can totally swear, you're good, you're good. <laughs> but, um, and it was like, I was telling, I was trying to tell people, like, hey, I'm, I'm ready for something new. I never try to push, like, too much my ideas, because I am I believe in following the sheets, like, tell me what to do, and I'll just do it. But I was like really getting blase, and then Shine happened, and Sal, uh, the, the 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 owner, was like, "Well, time for you to be a heel. Here's the mic, and go ahead." I was like, "Oh, I was not really prepared. Uh, I didn't know really what to say, but I loved the challenge." And with this match, I was like newly turned heel, uh, and I I felt like. I felt like I was living again. Like I love wrestling again because it was so new, uh, new to me, and it was like challenging. And as long as I, like I've been uh, working so hard to have people love me, now I'm like they really need to hate me. They really need to hate me, and that was like my main thing. And throughout that match, they really started like to despise me. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm doing my job. Oh yeah, I'm doing my job. And when I won in like a controversial way, and like you said, like Mercedes and Allison gave been to shine for so long. So when I won, people were like, oh no. And they were mad. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so that, that's what I remember the most about this one because I, uh, Allison Kay and Mercedes are two of my favorites. And they, we click. There's such a great chemistry. Uh, they're easy to work with. Uh, they always have great ideas too, and we we're always able to you know mesh our stuff together, so it fits great. So um, setting up the matches are, are, are always like easy and fun. And when we go out there, like we we're like really intense characters and hard hitting wrestlers, so it always works well. And then with the new character, um, yeah, I felt like. Finally, the transformation was complete. And I remember the following show, as soon as I crossed the curtain, they were like, Boo! I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know and you've it, reached the peak of heel success when somebody gives you a middle finger. <laughs> when you're walking up the ramp and somebody goes, you suck. It's like, thank yeah, you. I, I appreciate it. I love you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. I'll be, at the, I'll be at my merch table. You can come purchase yeah. one of my shirts. We'll take a picture. Absolutely. So... I, I don't know if you've listened to the show or if you've had any experience with Straight Talk Wrestling, but I'm a proud girl dad. I have two beautiful daughters, a four-year-old and a 10-year-old. Uh, the 10-year-old is turning into an attitude monster, and um, I don't know how to perceive it all. And my four-year-old, she is uh, a bully. She beats me up consistently, and because she's four, I can't fight back. And she puts me in leg locks. She puts me in figure fours, uh, arm bars. I've taught her a few things here and there. So she's almost ready to step in the ring with you guys. I think she's going to, I think she's going to, you're going to see her as the future of hardcore, in my honest opinion. <laughs> but one of the things I love about the wrestling business is since my girls have been alive, there's been uh, a, a turnaround for female talent. And it's a her turnaround that I love. It's about respect. And it's about uh, watching pave the way you have been through all those eras. You've been through the attitude era where women were consistently nothing but eye, can eye candy as much as they possibly could. 
to the ruthless aggression era where there was the spots that you could have here and there, maybe a five-minute match, maybe if you were lucky and you had a really good promoter, a 10-minute match, but that was it. And now we're in this peak since probably, oh, I want to say 2014, 2015, there has been this shakeup, this evolution <laughs> that we've all been so proud of. And that's when I, my wife and I, who's also a big wrestling fan, uh, we exposed both of our kids to the business that we love so much. And it was a great time because instead of my daughter seeing girls fighting in uh, bra and penny matches and, mm. and, and pillow fights, which was just, I look at it now, horrible, horrible way to represent the women in the business, to seeing Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey headline mm. WrestleMania, to see uh, Bailey, one of her favorites, uh, again, Sasha Banks, to see, and then I've taken her to the indie side of stuff and I've exposed her to some of the great talent we have here in Ontario. And uh, Alexia Nicole, uh, Crystal Moon, uh, Allison K, she got a chance to meet her when we saw her at Revolution Women's Wrestling, who's a fantastic promotion that I'm affiliated with. Um, so many great talents. Bianca Corelli, Anthony Corelli's daughter. Just the mm -hmm. list goes on and on. There's so many in my head, I just can't think of them all right now. And something happened this past week where you kind of shed a lot of light on stuff. Mm -hmm. And thank you from a wrestling fan's perspective because I think it needed to be said. And I think, I, I, I want to say, we appreciate Appreciate you for stepping up and saying it. And if anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about, you can go to Lufisto's YouTube page. You can see the four minute and 20 second clip. And it's pretty much her calling out CCW, which stands for Combat Zone Wrestling. Um, I'm going to read the statement that they posted after your video. But your video pretty much highlighted them as they sold the pay per view rights, or I'm not really sure what happened there. Some, another distribution company bought it, they edited it, they changed things up, and they made all of you look like, uh, to quote you, porn stars, which is horrible and degrading. And it sets everything that we've done so far in this business over the last five or six years, it sets it all the way back to the Stone Age. We might as well just call, call Vince McMahon right now and say, hey, bring back the Attitude Era because nothing special is happening anymore, which is, mm -hmm. as a father, as a proud girl dad, it infuriates me. It sets it back because I tell my daughters, like you mentioned when they told you you could do hardcore and you wanted to prove to everybody you could do it, I tell my daughters they could do anything. My four-year-old comes to me and says, Dad, I want to punch you in the gut. Okay, you can, but you're going to go on a timeout. Um, <laughs> and my 10-year-old tells me, she says, well, Dad, boys at school, they don't, want, they don't think I know much about wrestling. I'm like, you show them. You, you tell them. You show them everything you know about wrestling. My wife experienced it as a fan. She would go meet wrestlers. Oh, you're just here to meet the guy because he's got a six-pack. Actually, no, I'm a fan because he could do the best moonsault in the business. Or I'm a fan because uh, I love the way he takes hair sh chair shots. Whatever the case may be, my wife had to prove everyone in those lineups wrong. And as a girl dad, I don't want that for my kids. And I think you as a trailblazer, I do want to say we are all proud of you for standing up and having your voice being heard. So the statement that they released after you released your video, which we'll get into that, was, and I quote, this is right from their Twitter page for everybody, uh, two years ago, CCW entered a licensing agreement with a national media distributor to license CCW and WSU footage. The company has the right to utilize the footage without limitation. They have repackaged and renamed shows as it is their right to do so. Our athletes, regardless of gender, are just that, athletes, whom we are proud, proud of and appreciate. We stand behind the ring action in all our footage. The Twitter universe blew up with that. A lot of people saying, <laughs> yeah. uh, a lot of gifts of Rod Burgundy saying, I don't believe you. And a lot of just saying, dude, fold up, you're a joke. What kind of crap is that? And then I look at your video and it has almost 20,000 hits. So believe me, 
your voice has been heard and we're and all behind you. And there's a lot of stuff that, like, I didn't want to do a 20 minute video. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I don't mention. Um, the thing is, um, it happened like uh, it was past this past March. There's a fan who reached out and, well, he tweeted and I was tagged in it. And he goes, I can't believe they're calling Lefisto versus Mercedes Martinez a cat fight. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because I had I had absolutely no clue what's going on. And then he sends me the link, and that's where I see sweaty girls in dirty fights revealing Barrett and all, blah, blah, blah. And then there's our names. There's Leva Bates, Anaya, the Alliantress, me, Mercedes, uh, Mia Yim. And I'm like, what the hell? And then I just tweet, really, CCW? You're going to go that route? And so they send me a message and they're like, you know, we respect you and everything you did. We sold the footage. Uh, we tried to say something, but we can't do anything. I'm like, you can't do anything. This is your name and this is your brand. How the hell can you know that? And another thing that people don't know is when CCW bought WSU, uh, they bought it um, like, I can't remember exactly the year, 2012 or something. And Drew Cordero from Beyond Wrestling was then the booker. And uh, they got in an argument, him and DJ, they didn't have the same vision. They were always arguing. But the thing that everybody was telling us is that we bought WSU to be kind of a, the East Coast shimmer. This is serious. We want to showcase a great women's wrestling show. And there was problems with Drew. He left and went on with Beyond Wrestling, putting on great matches and having its own women's division with the Women's Wrestling Revolution. And Blake Thomas stepped in. Blake Thomas is a renowned photographer who loves wrestling, who knows all the girls. And he really wanted to make sure that this idea of the great professional women's wrestling, you know, promotion would keep going and get better and have like uh, he wanted to have the best matches and the woman feature like um in great ways uh he he did like beautiful pictures like and um like he really really wanted to make sure like this was a great wrestling promotion so when this happened uh it's like you're telling us everything you promised us is no good anymore because you got money for the matches and the rest you don't care. Even Blake was really vocal about it. I, like he said something like, I feel like the work I put in this project is completely destroyed. Um, and the main problem also is like, a lot of people are mixing so many things. Um, yes, we do know as independent wrestlers that when we go on a show, we know there's going to be footage that's going to be distributed either to iSpot, independent women, uh, independent wrestling, the title match network, uh, as DVDs. Like we are aware of that. And honestly, we are cool with that. This is how independent wrestling survives. They can pay us to perform by selling the footage, um, doing merchandise. And that's how they can keep going and do the shows, which everything is fine about that. We have no problem. We don't get royalties. Um, and I mean, it's, it's, we get it. We, we absolutely get it and we absolutely get it. And it's something we accept and that we know, like we're not because people were mixing up like, Oh, you want money from the footage? It's like, no, 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 that's not what we're saying. 
the problem here is that the rebranding, uh, we were going there, we signed waivers to say, we are going to be part of a professional wrestling show showcasing professional women's wrestling in a serious manner. Uh, there was no talks of us being like, well, don't get me wrong, we're already sexy with the gear we're wearing. I mean, guys wear a lot less when they're wearing trunks, but apparently when you see a boot crack, it's worse. Uh, but a lot of people were mixing that. It's like, you can't ask for money, whatever. This is not about money. This is about the fact that you hired me to do a job as a professional wrestler and go on a professional wrestling show. And now what you're doing is you're grabbing that footage that we trust. We trusted you with our image and our name and everything. And then you sell it to a party that goes, okay, women wrestling. And then you take captures of her crotches, of her butts, of her tits, everything. And you do like collage and stuff. And then sweaty girls in dirty fights, top heavy and tough. Uh, all assets revealed with all her asses on the front of the whatever cover uh, cover page they're using to people in, buy the, the pay-per-view. So that, that's what's wrong. It's the rebranding and showcasing is as something that it is not and something that the girls, no one accepted. Uh, a lot of women, yeah, they're doing the sexy pictures. They, some of them, have, I have a Patreon, but it's more of a music, uh, I show my designs and stuff, but uh, some women like have the only fan page, a little bit more revealing stuff. But the thing with those, um, those pages or those pictures, these are things the women are comfortable with. They're aware of what they're doing. They accept what they're doing. It's their plan. It's their bodies. It's, you know, it's their choice with CZW. That was not the choice. Like, we were supposed to go there for wrestling and it shouldn't be showcased as anything else than wrestling. Cause there's some girls in there who are not involved in anything sexy. Don't want to be, they just want to be athletes. They just love wrestling. Um, and so everybody's mixing so many things together. And when it's really simple, we accept to do this and you're doing something completely different. That's where there's a problem. It's not a problem of you, uh, selling the footage. It's how everything is rebranded that is wrong because, as you said, it's like we're going back some 20 years ago. Um, I remember when I was the only girl on the show, uh, some mothers would come and with their daughters at the merchandise table. It's like, oh, we didn't know girls could do that. Uh, and I was told, like, often, it's like, I, I can't believe, like, there's a model for my daughter, because usually what she sees on TV is women who can't really wrestle and that are only eye candies or sidekicks, uh, ballets or whatever. So they, it was always like surprising, but that was like, we're talking 2000. And I also had to fight the government in Canada so I could wrestle the guys and be seen as an equal because women were not, we could not fight who we wanted. And the same, uh, the same things I would hear back then, like I've seen like people like using the same excuse as 20 some years ago. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm dealing with the same BS I was when I was fighting the athletic commission. Too many people are mixing everything when the problem here is there's the wrestling company that we trusted with our image 
in producing a women's wrestling show and they're turning it into porn without us one knowing without um like they don't care that's the thing that hurts the most they just didn't care about what we would think um like i feel like there's so many things to say and i'm repeating myself um but it, it, it is wrong because you can't rebrand something it's not and there's actually a fan um that bought the footage and he discovered me through it because he's like Sorry, I, I mean no disrespect. Uh, I bought this because I thought it was something else. I thought I was going to see like lingerie cat fight because this is what this man was looking for. And he's like, and then I see professional wrestling. So not only is he like playing with the words and changing the titles and captures of harass and everything that is wrong with us, but what they're doing is also wrong with their customers because they're, <laughs> they're like... Um, announcing or publicizing something that they're not even delivering. They're cheating them out of the money too, as well. Exactly, they're trying <clears> to <throat> cheat them too out of that. Cause you know, everybody has fetishes. Everybody has something they love more or whatever. It could be like girl fighting or school girl or whatever. I mean, there's nothing wrong with sex. There's nothing wrong with uh, the adult industry. It's just that when it's the adult industry, it is the adult industry. When it's wrestling, it's wrestling. And that's where, like, the line was crossed and it shouldn't have been. A hundred percent. And I feel your emotion. I understand why you're repeating yourself because it's a frustrating situation. And um, I do still want to say again, though, I want to re repeat myself and say, we're proud of you. We're behind you. We understand why you did it. And as far as I'm concerned, Combat Zone Wrestling, and I know they hold a special place in your heart because they gave you that platform for the hardcore. It's a heartbreak. But you know what? It's a thing that now future women coming up in this business... If they want to research stuff, they want to research how to go about doing things or how to be, right? And they can say, okay, you know what? This happened in 2020. It was sad. It was disgusting. But now I know not what to get. And on the plus side, though, you gained a new fan out of it because he went into it thinking it was one thing, and he got something different. He got something that I've always known. Like I said, you're the goddess of hardcore. You've been around. You've hit so many things. So now that we've talked about CCW, let's go to some lighter subjects. Let's have, let's have some fun now with this one. So... <laughs> In the world of hardcore, I'm always interested because I have never been thrown into a trash can. I've never gone through a table. I've never gone, uh, I've never had a chair thrown at my head. I've never had a light bulb crashed over my face. I've never had all the things you've had. Um, Good for you. Sure. I know, thank you. Thank you. I, I still I still look adorable and I'm proud of that. Thank you so much. Um, out of all the weapons that have been in the ring, and I've never asked this question before because I've never really had a hardcore person on the show. I did interview Tommy Dreamer. He was an absolute fantastic guest. But with him, I, I wanted to talk so much about just his career. And I do want to talk about yours. But I, I have to ask this question because it's burning a hole in my pocket. Out of all the weapons that you've used on other people and other people have used on you, what is the one that hurts the most? I mean, they all hurt in their own way. But out of everything, I mean, for me, when I watch your matches, I think the light bulbs, the, the long... The terrible because you don't know how they're going to cut you and where. They just break and whatever happens, happens. But from what I remember is being stuck in barbed wire. When you fall in it, it hurts. But when you can't get out and you have to pull your body, uh, it's Queen, Queen of the Death Match 2007. Um, for those who can watch it, it's, my, it's the first match of the tournament. I, I don't know how I end up there, but I'm, there's like barbed wire all around the ropes. And I end up like my arm is stuck. And I'm like, 
oh my god, I can't move. I can't move. So I just get, and I'm like, well, and I pulled it out. And it, it could have been disastrous. But to me, that's the worst because yes, there's a bump in the bar where it will, it will hurt. But then if you're stuck in it and you need to pull yourself away, that's when it's like, it's terrible. <laughs> terrible. So you are, like I said, hardcore legend. You just mentioned Queen of the Death match and stuff like that. Out of all the hardcore matches that there are, there's always raising stakes in hardcore. There's not just, you know, okay, it's a hardcore match. Weapons, false count anywhere, do it. There's all, there's levels. There's levels to the story and how mm -hmm. a story arc in a hardcore world is built. You look at anything that ECW did and they blazed a trail for most of you. Look at anything they did. It was always a classic match first with kind of a double cross. Then it goes to, okay, you bring your favorite weapon, I'll bring mine, and we'll go there. It never usually, nobody ever wins that second match, but it's the third one. It's the third one. It's the, what I like to call the stages, the three stages of hell. <laughs> it could be at any, any manifestation that your wildest dream can imagine. And you look at some of the early stuff that even the WWE did, like the Hells in the Cell. We're talking Mick Foley, Undertaker. We're talking Shawn Michaels, Mick Foley. We're talking all those, uh, Shawn Michaels, all those matches and how mm -hmm. brutal and thing they were. Do you think that hardcore, uh, in the time period that it was from, let's say, 99 to 2004, I think that's a safe period to throw out. Do you think it was more glorifying blood sport? I, a lot of people say that. A lot of people who don't know the business say, "Oh, you're just you're glorifying violence." Well, now hold on. There's a story here, and if you're if you're an ignorant wrestling fan and you don't understand it, then turn it off. Mm -hmm. I myself have been a fan since I, I say I came out of the womb with a title belt wrapped around myself. My mom says it didn't happen, but I know it did. In my heart, <laughs> it did, and in my head, it did. But I've like I said, I've been a fan, and I'm thirty going to be thirty seven this November. Thirty seven years I've been a fan. And uh, there is a story. There is a, a, a line. There is a way to get to there. You don't just come out and hit somebody over the head with a chair. Mm -hmm. There is a progression. So do you think the early stages of hardcore was just glorifying violence, as a lot of people who don't know the business like to portray it? A lot of things, like in wrestling and any other sport, because yes, people would call it entertainment now, but I believe it's a sport in, in, in the sense that you always want to push your limits when you're an athlete or you're a performer, or however you want to call it these days. There's always that. I want to get better. I want to push the limits. I want to try something new. I want to stay relevant. I want to be unique. I want, there's so many reasons why you would go to hardcore. Like I said, in my case, it was because people were telling me like, girls don't do this. Uh, you're not serious. You can't take the shots. You're not tough enough to be here. So I was like, Okay, watch me. So for me, hardcore was a way to prove um, myself and others that this woman could do it. And it really had like, a, yeah, proving people wrong, um, like a value or that, that's really, that was my main, my main plan. And then once I did something, they were like, oh, okay, she did that. Okay, I'm going to do more. Oh, she did the barbed wire. Okay, now I'm going to have the lights. There was always, like, more and more and more. In, in Because my goal was to prove that I could do it. And I, I felt like it was a necessary evil 
for me being the only woman doing that and later Mickey Knuckles joined in like not, not too long after me. So we were the only two girls and fighting guys and then we finally fought each other. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it was really, a, it was more than yeah, glorifying violence, at least for, for me and I'm sure for her too. It was more like, I'm one of the boys. I can hang with you. I can do what you're doing. Um, and as, as wrestling overall, um, you always want to be different. When it comes to ECW, uh, if you have a product that's really kids-oriented, like the WWE, if you want to stand out, you need something completely different. So kids, what's very different? Violence. So you're going to get the other wrestling fans that don't like the WWE style. You will go get these people. So you, you're offering a totally different product. So I think that that's the main idea be, you know, behind hardcore. You want to do something more, push the limits, cater to a different audience. So all these reasons, um, can it glorify violence? Yeah, because in a way it makes violence look cool. Um, and, but I think because of all the other reasons I mentioned, this is how hardcore wrestling came and like to be and how the wrestlers like they wanted to stand out they wanted to bring something new they wanted to cater to a different audience than they turned to a hardcore or in my case wanted to prove people wrong and prove that i was as tough and even tougher than all the boys you've done that you've done that in spades i look at some of your matches and i go uh i was actually nervous in in having this interview today i was like i don't know what's gonna happen i don't know if she could reach through the screen and hurt me in a violent way, but you, you have it. You, you honestly, you're an absolute pleasure and I adore you. And we, we still have a, another 10 minutes or so left in the interview, but I'm going to say this early because I've enjoyed it so much. I want to let you know. Now you're officially a member of the straight talk family. Woo! You have my Skype ID. I have yours. Uh, by all means, anytime you want to chat, you're born on a Tuesday and you say, George, what are you doing? I was just playing <laughs> homescapes on my phone. Get your butt downstairs. Let's record a podcast. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> nice. I, I adore you. You are a true legend in this business, a true pioneer. And uh, one thing a lot of other people don't know is you mentioned, you touched on it earlier, but I think we should mention it to people who don't know because, you know, you can look up your facts on the internet, but we all know Wikipedia is not 100% true. Oh, my God. So wrong. And (laughs) real fun fact, I went on Wikipedia. There were so many things that were wrong that I tried to correct them. And then they sent me a message. You can't change this. I'm like, what? But I lived it. It's my life. I I know what I did. I know what I did. Like there's so many things. Like then you did this on on this show. I'm like I did not. (laughs) Where did you see that? Wikipedia. It's wrong. (laughs) I uh I was doing my research on. Like I said, I went back and I watched the match. I know enough about you and your amazing career that I could get by. But I'm like, no, that didn't happen. That absolutely did not happen. (laughs) Why is this? And, you know, you want to sit there and all of a sudden you want to sit there and you want to start being a keyboard warrior and say, no, I got to fix it. But then I'm like, I have an interview to do with her. I don't have time to fix her. (laughs) Once they said no, I'm like, hey, what do I know? So I'm like, I let go. Anybody watching this interview, tweet Wikipedia, tell them to get their heads (laughs) out of their asses and fix her profile because it's all freaking wrong. And the, picture, and the picture of my profile is so terrible. I'm like, oh, that was taken after a match. I'm like, I'm all sweaty. I don't even look like myself. It's like terrible. It's like, at least, oh at least the picture, at least the picture isn't like you, like, you know, with the pose like this pointing at your back saying, look at all the light bulb rips in my back. Yay. 
so um, we we touched on it earlier. You had to fight with the athletic commission. You mm-hmm. had to pretty much take them by the neck and by the throat and say, listen, I am going to do this. You don't tell me what I can do. If I think I can do it and I perceive I can do it and it's perfectly legal, why can't I do it? And for all of you that don't know what I'm talking about, this is the woman who paved the way, as far as I'm concerned, for intergender wrestling in Canada. The reason why she went for this fight, she won this battle, is so we could see all the great matches that we've seen. All the great intergender stuff in the Ontario indie scene, the Canadian indie scene, period. This is the reason why, because she went toe-to-toe with the Athletic Commission, and you know what? She won. So I'll let her tell you why and how she did it, by all means. I was actually already wrestling in the States, in Ontario, and and, in Canada in general. And I had been wrestling guys. I started in 1997. My first male championship is 1998. And my first uh, male uh, main championship is 2001 in Ontario. A little bit after that, what happened is I was was scheduled to be in a table death match for a main event in Toronto. And somebody called the Athletic Commission and reminded them that there was an old law from, I want to say 1924. Don't quote me on that, but I I think it's around that time. And the law stated a man and a woman cannot be in the ring at the same time. So the commission was like, oh, that's true. There's a law. Can't do it. Unless you come and wrestle with girls, you can't wrestle here anymore. And unfortunately, I'm one of those people that, when something's not right or is not fair, like I don't sleep at night. It bothers me, and I always feel I need to do something because um, when I started wrestling, nobody wanted to help me, and I, I felt like I needed to give back. And I still do today. Like if 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 like I needed that help that nobody wanted to give me, so I feel like like I need to help others to kind of like. So they don't go through the same thing I did. So back then I was like, this is not fair. They're telling me once again, like I wouldn't hear it from some promoters, some of the boys who didn't want to wrestle me. I uh, can't do this, you're a girl. That's not for girls, that's not for girls. But now there was a law that was like stating, you can't do this, you're a woman. And I was like, but you're having like uh, movie sets in Toronto where there's stunt women like, I think they were filming a Batman, or I don't know exactly what it was, but I'm like, why Catwoman can't fight Batman and I can't? And even worse back then, there was, like, um, um, WWE had already did, like, they did the China thing, and there was a, a few, if I if I remember correctly, it involved, like, Trish Stratus and Jericho and Christian. And I'm like, why is it okay for them and that's on Ontario like TV and everything, and I can't. Or all the other girls on the Indian team can't. So I'm like, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. What can I do, what can I do? So I decided to call the Ontario Human Rights, and I explained them the, the situation. And I remember clearly the lady on the phone, she said, lady, oh, you have a case. Like, you can't tell anybody in this world because of their gender, that they can't do something. So it took like almost three years, almost four years of filling out papers, them going to court. Uh, I had a representative in Ontario going to court for me. Um, papers and 
back then, like phone calls were not free. So lots of money and phone calls and uh, talking to a representative of the, the human rights. And then they would go to athletic and they were, would be fighting and they try to go to the appeal. And in the end, we, we finally won. I got, I got the, the phone number and it's like, Ms. Goulet, just want to tell you, you've won. You've won the case. They can't do anything. They will have to remove that flaw. And it was so uh, time consuming for them and the publicity against them was so bad that the Ontario Athletic Commission completely let go of everything wrestling. They said, I, we don't want to touch wrestling anymore. It's too borderline. It, it, it's a sport, but it's, it's entertainment. And now there's like people suing us. So they're like, nope. So they let go of everything. Like they really dropped anything that had to do with wrestling. And it opened the floodgates to the to, to what we love here in the Canadian indie scene because the American indie scene, it's great. I've experienced it here and there, but I got to say, there's nothing like homegrown, man. We have some of the best talent in the world. And one thing I do want to say is another reason why I'm a big fan of you is because I'm also a Kevin Steen fan. And you do <laughs> hold, you hold the victory. You hold the victory over my favorite. So kudos Excellent. to you again. Two victories. <laughs> two oh, victories. two victories. Okay. <laughs> and right. one where I won the CCW Ironman. And the other one, uh, we were in a tournament in Quebec. It was a mixed tournament. And the main event was, uh, well, the final round was Kevin Steen and Stephanie Sinclair versus me and El Generico. And we won the tournament. So <laughs> we uh, it was the Sherry Martel Memorial Cup. And me and Generico won over Steen and Sinclair. <laughs> wow, absolutely fantastic. Well, before I let you go, because this has been an absolutely amazing interview, I can't thank you again for the time. You're an absolute pleasure. You're an amazing talent. And I hope when this all the dust settles with all this COVID nonsense, you come to Ontario. I know a lot of great promoters will get you booked on something. You actually, you got to come out to Revolution Women's Wrestling. Chris Leavonis, the guy over there, he's had Allison K. Rebels part of it, Casey Spinelli, so many fantastic female talent so i'm gonna have to let him know you got to book lefisto because I, I would love to see you in person to give you a big hug and say man look at us a couple months ago we were in quarantine now we're here now we're here <laughs> and then we can reenact your wikipedia facebook profile page i'll pour water <laughs> on my face we'll get all sweat it'll be great it'll be great uh before i go please let everybody know where they can follow you on social media all your social media tags on Instagram, it's at Wounded Al Lufisto, uh, Lufisto, simply Lufisto on Twitter, uh, Facebook.com slash Lufisto, Patreon.com slash Lufisto. Uh, and if you can't remember all that, just go to Lufisto.com. you got all the links. I'm working on a new website right now. should look a lot better in the next few days or weeks, depending on how this pandemic is going and if I have time to finish it. But um, if anything, Ontario fans, I'm always at C4 Wrestling in Ottawa. Come and see me. Uh, I had great matches with Frankie the Mobster and one of my favorite of all time versus Josh Alexander. Uh, I think it's one of my best matches of my career, and that happened in Ontario. Uh, Ontario has always been one of my favorite places to wrestle, and every time I go there, especially like the uh, Ontario, uh, Ottawa, and uh, Toronto, um, I have such a warm welcome. Um, I was at the summit last year with uh, Smash Wrestling and WSU, w, uh, WXW, I'm sorry. And um, when I got out, the reaction was so loud that I had to stop 
so I could like savor the moment. And so that's my relationship with Ontario. And I, yeah, I, I just love everybody there. And they're, they've been great to me for close 24, close to 25 years. Like the, the number 25 is coming soon. <laughs> and you got your favorite podcaster in Ontario now too, right? Yeah. <laughs> and just for you, in case I follow you across all your platforms already, except your patron, of course, but I follow you across everything else. Uh, Straight Talk Wrestling at underscore Straight Talk on Twitter, Straight Talk Wrestling on Facebook and Instagram. So a follow from the great Lufisto would be huge. Just going to throw that out there. <laughs> throw that out there. A follow from you would be huge. As always, guys, I'm your host, your boy. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to tune in next week for another great episode. Follow the socials to get a hit on all the episodes. And as for this episode with Lufisto, this part will most likely be edited, or I might leave it in because, you know, I want people to know that the kayfabe behind podcasts is real. Before the episode drops, my dear, I will tag you across everything so you will be able to see it, share, share away. And thank you so much for the time. It was an absolute honor and a privilege to speak with you. Thank you very much for having me and uh, spread the word about CCW and help the women wrestlers uh, be women wrestlers. Absolutely. We will. And anybody that doesn't know what we're talking about, please check out her YouTube page. You can see the video. Judge for yourself, because I got to tell you, you should be on her side, because the other side, a fucking joke. All right, my dear, you go enjoy the rest of your Friday night. I'm going to go upstairs with the kitties, probably get beat up by my four-year-old. It is what it is. <laughs> Take care. Have a great night and stay safe, okay? Thank you. You too. I'm going to see my cats. <laughs> Perfect. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another episode on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Also follow us on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And for all our merchandise, you can search us on ProWrestlingTees.com. Oh.